back to Freelance Creative Exchange. I'm your producer, Raven, and it has been a minute since we run our main series. Back in July, our inflation rate hit a 13-year high at 4.8%. But inflation is not limited to just Singapore. We see this trend repeated in the US, Europe, and all over the world. We are concerned about how increasing cost of living impacts creative freelancers. Over the next few weeks, we'll be speaking to creators, financial experts, and how current living conditions are affecting their work and practice. More importantly, what can we do to manage our finances in this challenging time? So today, we are speaking to Vincent, CEO and co-founder of Lightcake. Previously, he was the co-founder of Gashtrop, an international talent and entertainment company. Hi, Vincent. Welcome to our show. Hi, glad to be here. Uh, yeah. When I was listening to your introduction of creatives and financial experts, I was wondering which one am I? <laughs> or am I not either? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you you are probably a bit of both, but we will probably deep dive into it. Are you personally affected by inflation as well? Um, I I would say I'm positively affected by inflation, um, mainly because. I think inflation has kind of given a rise of or at least increases in asset prices, particularly in homes in Singapore, right? So I think that's been, I guess, the best performer in terms of like investments for me for the last few years. So that's been something good. But I guess like everyone else, um, you know, I think we see it day to day, like the type of, you know, increase in price. We see that in our restaurant bills. We see that in our NTUC fair price um, receipts. So I think that's not the pleasant side of it. That's where we can just, this general feeling that things are getting more expensive. Yeah, definitely about the Thai fund prices. I think every, all the Singaporeans can all comment on it. <laughs> how yes. the same amount has, how the same amount like is like lesser ingredients or it costs more for the same dish, right? Yes. So I think the reason why the inflation affects us so much this time around, because the price increases all across the board, mm-hmm. especially for freelancers, we also see our operational costs goes up because the apps and services we are using are going up, raw materials are going up, vendors are also asking for higher prices. So I think it also have a big impact on businesses. Yeah. So from what you have observed, because you work a lot with freelancers, right? Because you are yep. providing a financial solution like pay to freelancers. So what have you observed on the ground? Like how do you see your freelancers being affected? So I think when it comes to our freelance space in Singapore, one of the largest groups we serve are real estate agents or real estate salespersons. In general, we talk about inflation, so you've got to talk about it in, in the whole macro economy. And what you what you kind of see is that for freelancers and, and, and I guess these solopreneurs who are at the top of their game or who are doing very well previously, surprisingly, what they have given feedback for is that they're doing better. They're getting more deals. They're getting their calendars a bit more booked. Whereas if you talk about those who are just starting out, those who just entered into freelancing the last couple of years, they are definitely struggling, right? You know, they're trying to find their way in this world. They're trying to figure out what's the best path forward. And COVID hasn't been easy for them to kind of get out there. So it's quite interesting where, you know, the good get better and find more opportunities. And those that are just starting out struggle, right? But also you can understand those who are, I guess, further along the game, they do have savings. They do have assets, you know. I was just talking to the agent. He was telling me, Money is the last of its problems, right? Oh, wow. For him, it's uh, it's about fulfillment, right? So, and and when I heard it, I was like, okay, you know, I, I don't think most um, freelancers speak like that. I think he's very blessed uh to mm. be in that position, and he recognizes that as well. 
Whereas the most people is like, okay, you know what? Um, thank goodness I locked in my I chose the HDB loan, right? So that I don't have mm. to worry out there for my refinancing. Mm. Uh, for some of us who are coming out with our refinancing for houses, you know, I think as as freelancers or even entrepreneurs, right, where we actually have jumped through all the gauntlet of, you know, trying to apply for a new uh, home loan, that can be quite scary. Not just because of the process, because of the kind of income discount that we have, but also with the rising inflation and mm. that impacts the the mortgage rates as well. Right. So I think that's something that I think it's a lot of freelancers' minds about refinancing, keeping up with mm. the interest payments. And I mean what the numbers sound small, like you talk about four percent inflation or you talk about a certain increase in like your say your your loan rates, but the actual impact on a month to month basis is huge. Like they are we talk about a 0.5% or even a 1% increase in interest rate. We're talking about several hundreds of dollars increase in monthly payments, right? So I think some people are struggling with making sure that they can cover those payments because the scenarios they planned for were on a low interest rate environment. And now they realize, mm-hmm. oh, my savings is going to run out a lot more, like a lot faster. Right? So some of these concerns are starting to creep into them. It's interesting to see a, a divide, right? I guess... Like you said, those who have like been doing this in this business for a while, they know the game. So they know how to plan ahead. They have probably been through like a couple of inflations and recessions themselves and then COVID. So it helps them a lot. Whereas people who are starting out, like especially those who start out just before or right in the middle of COVID, for them it's like, you know, how, what can I do? They find probably find it harder to close the gap mm-hmm. in that sense, right? So do you have any like, I guess, actionable tips and advice for this group of people who are like, you know, find it a bit more challenging at the moment, but they haven't managed to build that kind of business where they can, uh, where it's more like, I guess, more sustainable at that moment. I, I wouldn't take advice from me <laughs> about freelancing because <laughs> I'm not a freelancer. Yeah. Um, you mm. know, I'm a business owner. Uh, but so maybe I can by speak... personal finances? Yeah. Sure, I can speak from my perspective. Again, none of this mm. is financial advice. You hear this a lot. Uh, yeah, 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 no, and, definitely and, not. And please do not take my advice. Uh, yes. It's on my own context. Yeah, um, everything I think, with a pinch of salt. Yes, yes everything with a pinch of salt, right? Um, I think when you talk about inflation, it, it is healthy or at least good to understand what kind of goes up with inflation as well. So um, when inflation happens, you know, just not just the, you know, the little basket of goods that we buy from the supermarket, but also your homes, right? Your home prices mm. increase, certain asset prices uh, also increase and they can act as hedges against inflation. So you might have heard gold being thrown around a lot. Mm. But I think closer to home in Singapore, right? Um, it is probably a good idea to think about how you're going to own your home, right? So be it like the next BTO or maybe like, you know, looking for resale, because in general, like while it seems like the prices are quite high right now, you should think of it as actually that's a reflection of inflation, right? They are high. Mm. If you think that inflation is conti- going to continue to increase and you, and you have some savings, it could be a good idea to kind of consider like investing in a, a home if you're kind of putting it off, maybe you're considering between a, a nice wedding and a home and you're trying to kind of figure out what's the difference. I would say find a way to buy into assets. Mm. Right, because assets can generally rise over time with inflation. Um, if you can't afford a home because of, let's say, the interest rates and and all that, I, I mean, this might sound a bit controversial, but you know, <laughs> like crypto, it's another way. Stocks is another mm. way, right? Um, personally, for myself, like, uh, while it seems like we're in a crypto bear market right now, mm. I think having seen crypto in the last couple of cycles, you know, since twenty eleven, right? Um, mm. In general, it kind of rises over time, but it's extremely volatile, right? So again, if you have small bits of money and you're looking to kind of gain exposure, kind of fight mm-hmm. a little bit of inflation, 
do consider looking at like major crypto asset classes like Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? Um, mm. Again, don't put all your life savings in it. <laughs> uh, you can put some, right? Mm. Especially in, into Ethereum because Ethereum does provide a kind of quote unquote passive yield and income. Mm. Um, again, I think that's been something that has worked out well for me for the last few years. And I would at least consider studying that, right? Mm. Now, all that's in and done, I think every crisis or every, um, I guess, macro uh, situation is also an opportunity for renewal. Mm. I think the most important thing that I've learned over the last few years is something that's really actionable today for anyone. And it's not financial advice, it's really just to keep mm. learning, right? I think um, every single cycle, be it technology or even macroeconomic cycle, there's always things to learn. In the past, you know, three, four years, it's about crypto, NFTs, and I think you know, even this podcast talks a lot about that. Um, it's not to say that dive in headlong and, you know, put it in your life savings, okay? I think no one's going to tell you to do that. But it's about learning the new space, learning the new technology. And learning begets opportunities. So to give you an example, right, um, with the recent crypto season that started in sometime in 2020, that was DeFi, mm. right? And there was, you know, learning about decentralized finance, you know, mm. learning how it works, what opportunities. And eventually in 2021, it came, uh, gave way to NFTs. Mm. So I started to kind of diving deep into the space, mm. learning a lot about it. And the funny thing enough is when you learn about something, sometimes you get good at it. Sometimes you kind of like get into the space. And then because it's new, it's easy to be, quote unquote, at the top because no one knows what they're doing. So it's like blind leading the blind. A lot of people confused. If you can make sense of it and be at least sound smarter than some people or most people, it's easy to kind of be noticed in that sense. And surprisingly, when you learn something and like, like what you experience in NFTs, I was actually offered jobs. And I had to reject these jobs from these projects and saying, actually, um, thank you very much for acknowledging, you know, that you think that I'm good at something, but I have a job. <laughs> I'm a CEO <laughs> of a fintech company. Uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. But when I went through the whole experience, I realized, oh, actually, if you wanted to find work, if you wanted to kind of gain your opportunities, actually learning new skills and, you know, being involved with these new technologies can actually bring about opportunities. Again, I had three job offers from mm. NFT projects that are willing to pay a decent amount, right? Uh, an amount that I think can keep a freelancer afloat. Mm. So in that sense, it wasn't that I went to find those jobs, but it's in learning something new that I got and I got better at it and the job offers came, right? So I think that's kind of been my approach in life. You know, back when I started in university, it was, or at least in, in high school, it was about videos, right? I really liked the idea of video editing. I liked the idea of video production. I follow all these film directors. I got good at it. And people started saying, hey, can, you, can I pay you to do this, right? And then I started learning how to charge, some the price. And that's kind of been my life in that sense. Every different cycle, every new opportunity, every technology shift from, you know, from analog to internet. Learning these new skills, learning these new technologies have actually given rise to economic opportunities, be it job or in my case, business. Actually, when I was doing the NFT podcast, it, actually, it came out of because I wanted to learn. So the podcast mm -hmm. was a learning journey for me and my co-host. And we did speak to a few freelancers who actually got into the NFT and Web3.0 space, not because they are trying to launch an NFT, but because... Yep. They have been asked to, you know, to do projects on it. So they are actually learning. So there are actually opportunities for yes. creatives who are interested in the three one zero space because it's not just about making art, like making NFT art. There's demand for copywriters, mm -hmm. community managers, social media marketing. So there's actually a lot of like opportunities in the space. I think yes. it's also important to keep open mind. We can say a life is a learning journey, and if you 
you know, you got, got to learn, you got to evolve with times as well. Exactly. And I think mm. it, it is true that in the crypto and Web3 space, actually most, if not all, are freelancers, right? Um, mm. Or at least they start out as freelancers and they kind of form teams after that. Mm. But I think what's interesting about, I guess, looking at the recent trends is that more so than ever before, as a freelancer, you're not competing locally, right? So if, you, if you're if you seeing yourself, okay, maybe some jobs and some gigs, like if you're you know in Foopanda, if you're like the on-demand delivery writer, yes, you're hyper-local, right? But if you're a digital worker, you're creative, like many of your listeners on this podcast, you're not a quote-unquote Singaporean or Southeast Asian freelancer, right? You're a freelancer period and your market is actually global. Your competition is also global, right? Mm. From that perspective, when you look at Web3, I, I was quite happy and proud to see like, you know, Singaporeans like leading big projects, you know, making it big there in that space where all of a sudden you're not limited by, you know, your technical skill. If you can be a really good community manager, you can be really resourceful. I see a lot of like Singaporean freelancers hustling and, you know, making to the top of some of these projects. So I think similarly, when you talk about, you know, you're now in Singapore and you're trying to beat inflation, you're trying to improve your livelihood. I'm not sure if this is a common mindset, but it is important to think of yourself as an international freelancer, which means you don't have to charge rates that you think some other Singapore agency is charging, right? You can actually charge rates that you think based on your skill level, based on your portfolio, that what someone maybe in the UK or someone in Australia or someone in the US might pay for. The people that I see doing really well in this are, you know, our neighbors. You know, I see a lot of Indonesian freelancers who have really good portfolios. And when you inquire of them, they're not cheap. They know we're cheap and they know that, right? They know that they have quality and they can compete on the global stage. But we engage them anyway, not because we're looking for a cheaper freelancer. We're actually looking for good quality freelancers wherever they are, right? In, in terms of businesses. And it just happens so they, they are based in Thailand, they're based in, in Indonesia. Unfortunately, I don't know why, but I don't see that many Singaporean portfolios in that space. Mm. Those that I filter on, say, Dribble and Behance and all that, I do reach out to them. Um, oftentimes, the really good portfolio you see, oh, darn, he's working with an established 4A agency in Singapore, right? You can't work with him. But in that sense, you know, encouragement here is that while everyone's suffering during this time, inflation, um, you're trying to find, make ends meet, I think firstly, learn. And mm. secondly, I think treat the international market as your marketplace, right? And therefore, try to think of yourself competing on an international level. I guess you can say that the world is like oyster right now, especially with COVID. I think it removed a lot of like companies and people's mindset about re- remote, you know, because at one point there's no choice, right? We all yes. have to work remotely. So people are actually more open to being remote. And uh, you're right. We have spoken to, even for some of our freelancers, those who actually do really well are the ones who manage to, you know, expand beyond the Singapore. They manage to be global because they are in demand no matter you know, where they are in the world. Exactly. And and to your point about it being, you know, the world is your oyster, it is also a threat, right? Um, mm. Meaning like a lot of businesses, wherever they are, they're no longer just looking at their local hinterland. They're not, not looking at their local base to hire from. Mm. Like take Lightpay, for example, we, we, we hire for the talent, but we don't look at geography first, right? So about almost half of our team is based outside of Singapore. And they're based remotely, right? And they're not even working it from an office in that sense. Because they can do the job. It doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, only let's say a local business will hire a local person. Like if we don't compete internationally, right? You might find that even within the whole market like Singapore, a lot of the jobs are actually going to equally talented and not more talented, you know, freelancers globally as well. Definitely. I guess it's also important for freelancers like us to have to keep having to be hungry, to to have the appetite to grow. 
to think about scaling up, to think about growing, thinking outwards out of the box as well. Mm-hmm. So I understand that from your bio, right? Because you actually started your entrepreneur journey really young, <laughs> primary too. <laughs> I would hardly call that being an entrepreneur. (laughs) It was just being opportunistic. Yeah, but I guess it's also like, you know, you do have a sense of business from a young age, right? And even in university, you're already freelancing um, in videography and stuff. And because of that, you were able to open your first company, Big Tree Media. And then from that, you move on to projects. You you co-founded Gash Club, which is like a very, is a big international entertainment and talent agency in Asia. And then now you are, you know, co-founded uh, LightPay as well. So I think you're pretty forward thinking in that sense. And I'm sure along the way, you met so many creators, right? Or freelancers, creators. I mean, we're talking about the creator economy as well. So what do you think are the qualities so far? What do you think makes a good freelancer? First of all, uh, thank you for your kind words. <laughs> I think in between each of those milestones, probably like there's a list of failures. <laughs> But, but thank you for your kind words. Mm. I think, um, again, I, d- I wouldn't say that what I've observed is exhaustive. Um, mm. But I would say, like, just in just we're just talking about in general, my observations of what makes certain creators or freelancers successful. Mm. Putting aside the fact that they are hungry and they are kind of always learning in that sense, I find that creators and freelancers kind of know what is it they're trying to build are able to better put together a plan to achieve those goals. So what do I mean by that? Um, let's take freelancers, right? So I would say maybe there are probably like three buckets of freelancers. Let's say there are the gig workers, you know, people who are kind of more reliant on a platform for work, where the work comes through those platforms. They kind of take on each of those things as gigs. Um, nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a huge industry over there. Then there are those craftsmen. So, you know, people who are really good at certain skill. Maybe you're good at writing, maybe you're good at moderating, maybe you're good at, you know, videos, creative and all that. And then the third bucket is probably kind of like your solopreneur, entrepreneurial, your business mindset type freelancers. And they, some of them could end up becoming business owners, entrepreneurs and all that. But what's, what's characterized is they have that business mindset. All three can be successful freelancers. You know, you've read articles in the newspaper of like $6,000, $7,000 a month, you know, delivery writers, right? So again, power to them. I think mean, it's, it's very inspirational. Again, not everyone can be there, but I think there are examples of that. But I think the sooner you kind of know what path you want to pursue, then you can start really getting deep and putting the work to get strong at that. So for example, if you think you're really good as a designer and you kind of know that, you know what, I don't want to build a a tiny agency. I don't want to manage people. I just really want to be good at my craft and work with a talented group of people who are also good at other ways. Maybe some of them are really good at business development. Maybe some of them are really good at art direction or whatever. I just really want to be good in Figma, right, in, in my design, then that's where you can start pursuing and going deep into that space and getting really good at it. And then your portfolio, your, the way you position yourself, your brand to your potential clients will be very different from someone who is a bit more of a business mindset. Hmm. Right? Again, if you're a craftsman, chances are your work speaks for yourself. Your word of mouth, your reputation on the ground kind of like gets you to the new gigs because people are, wow, Check out that work. That person's work is awesome, right? Whereas if you're an entrepreneur mindset, maybe getting really good at design, let's say you're again same design skills, you're really, you're pretty good at Figma, but you're a bit more business mindset. What gets you to success could be very different, right? You're not actually looking to be the best or be like hone a very unique look and feel. You're actually trying to hone a system. You're trying to hone a business. 
in some sense, the way you develop it is less about the craft itself, but more of the system to enable you to sell services along that craft. It could just be yourself, but then what you put around yourself is you're starting to put in place maybe like uh, someone who organizes your calendar. You're putting in place someone who helps you with your bookkeeping. You're putting in place maybe certain freelancers you work with that help you expand the scale of your business, right? It means you don't mind if it's not 100% yours. You don't mind if it's 95% quality. What, what you care about is fulfilling the client's demands so that you can bill for them, right? And you can collect the money in that sense. Again, knowing what you want in life kind of then gives you a direction to learn and to get better at a certain way. Again, you could be very discoverable on Behance, on Dribbble, on some of these platforms, or maybe in some of the gig platforms, looking at very high reputation. Or you could be getting deep into developing a system, an ecosystem of support around you that enables you to scale. The sooner, back to the point about knowing what you want, the sooner you realize which area that you want to succeed in, then that's where you can start putting the work to get there. That's probably one of the more defining characteristics. Um, you save a lot of time when you know what you want. The second, I guess, uh, thing that, I would say what I've seen with creators and freelancers is that a lot of them don't get distracted by what's out there. I would say it, while it's a lot easier to be a freelancer in this day and age, there's a lot of people out there also pushing advice, showcasing themselves and all that. And there's sometimes a temptation to kind of like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to do what that person do. The six ways to get passive income. Okay, I'm just going to follow that person. Or this person's productivity system, I'm just going to follow that person, right? I think it's important not to get distracted by some of these things. You should also include like, you know, living the life, right? Um, sometimes in the pursuit of success, we want to look successful, not just be successful. So that's where you start spending on things like your watches. You start spending on things like, you know, okay, I'm going to buy a car. I'm going like, to upgrade myself. I'm going to make my work desk really cool, really nice looking, buy a nice table that goes up and down. So I think there's a temptation to pursue, keep out the Joneses and pursue that. But what I find that the generally right, good freelancers, good business owners is that they really plan long-term, they save. They know that not every day you're going to get you know, jobs. Sometimes you could be out and about. Sometimes you need to go on a holiday and take a break. So a lot of them, what they do is they save. They actually really manage their personal finances as well. They invest in themselves. Um, they actually you know, learn about crypto. They invest in that. They buy their own house. They invest in that. Or even they invest in their own business, right? They build a system that basically goes beyond them and eventually becomes a small business. Having a little bit of that longer-term mindset and also just in general having good financial discipline and saving, that keeps you in the game longer. Because on the flip side of that, sometimes when I speak to certain employees or certain people working by other companies, I find out, oh, you actually you were a freelancer re up till recently. Why do you stop? And the, the usual reason is because they could not keep up financially with the demands. They knew that they had to put food on the table. They were being responsible parents because they didn't save up enough, because they didn't manage their financial discipline well enough. They are now back into the workforce and they kind of had to quote unquote give up that freedom of being a freelancer. So I think that's the kind of like the flip side to not saving and not thinking long term. Yeah, I think that is also a challenge. What you mentioned, right? I think there's a lot of sound advice in there. Like definitely having a direction, having a long term mindset. You know, knowing what you want out of your own business is very important, you know, to build a sustainable and profitable uh, business. And also, yeah, personal finances. I think that is a huge thing that's facing a lot of creatives, right? Some of us don't like to think about money or don't really want to talk about money. But, you know, to be able to do your craft 
even if you don't intend to be like, oh, I, I want to be a millionaire and stuff, but you still yeah. kind of like need some kind of finances, right? To be able to, you know, balance that and help you tie over the title days, help you tie over inflation, right? Because I also understand that you, in 2018, you decided to, you know, help to build like a financial ecosystem to help yeah. creators and freelancers, you know, after years of working with them. And now you are building this uh, light page. So what drives you to in this mission to build a financial solution for creators uh, and freelancers? That's a good question. I think um, mm. I was answering a couple of ways. One is more the intellectual side. The other one is more mm. like myself as a father, right? I think on the intellectual side, I think we can see the science pointing towards a, a broader trend where more and more people will be either freelancing by choice or as a result of disruption on the economy, right? So it could be that, you know, with the digital tools out there, with, you know, uh, certain lifestyle choices, people choose to freelance. They can be digital nomads. They can work in Bali for companies internationally and all that. So we see that trend happening. And by and large, you see that by 2030, some stats show that, you know, up to 45 to 50% of the global workforce will be freelancing in some capacity, right, in, in a varying spectrum. So we see that from the intellectual side, that's coming. Yet on the personal side, what I observe in the day-to-day, -day, I see that a lot of young people want to be creators, right? At least in my past with Gosh Thought, a lot of them want to pursue that direction. But yet, I know that when they were to pursue that, the financial system is not built to cater to um, variable income employees. It's built with a predication on that you have a paycheck. You are an employed person, right? That's society's definition of being productive, right? You're employed, you're working for a company. Therefore, when you look at your income, oh, where's your payslip, right? Of course, freelancers, we don't really have payslips. So in that sense, I think what I struggled with personally, also what I foresaw that my kids would struggle with is simple things like getting a home loan. As an entrepreneur, you go to the bank, you try to get a home loan. Oh, you own a certain percent of this company. Okay, your payslip doesn't matter. We'll take a 30% haircut on your income statement or your income tax filing. So when I went through that, I was like, oh, so frustrating because all of a sudden your purchasing power is reduced by 30%. Similarly, you know, with creators, yes, they're really good at the craft of Instagram, but yet they have to be the ones reminding and chasing the client, hey, can you please pay? I've done the job already. You accepted the job. Can you please pay? Then wait 30 days, 40 days, 50 days and all that. So when I saw all this happening, I was thinking, okay, if I combine what's happening intellectually in the world, becoming more and more, like, uh, more and more towards freelancing, Plus, at the same time, more and more people are choosing freelance and they have this struggle on day to day. This is the world that my kids are going to grow up in, right? My kids are going to grow up with very portfolio-like careers where they'll be working for a company at some their days and, and they'll be freelancing probably most of their time. I want to build a more assured future for them. I want it such that as a parent, I can feel assured that when my sons and daughter goes out into the working world and try to be like a great creator or be a freelancer in different areas or be a business owner, that they are taken care of, that they have equal access to at least an employee. Much of what we do at Light, we're always kind of trying to think, okay, between an employee and a freelancer, there are pros and cons, but how do we eliminate the cons? How do we eliminate the trade-offs that freelancers face when they choose to build their own business or when they choose to be a freelancer? Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we've tried to work on is things like, for example, let us be your finance department, right? Don't worry about collection. Don't worry about chasing for the payment. If you need money, you use our service. We can make it available for, to you. We don't make it a loan to you, right? We're trying to make it as assuring as possible. We charge a low flat fee, right? But now to what we discussed about financial discipline, right? We know that you're out there hustling and building a business and you have no time to research about the right stocks to buy, the research about you know, how to manage your money. How about we put it as part of your workflow, right? So recently we started testing this product called Boost, where if you invoice a client, 
you can automatically choose to set aside 20%, you know, 25% of that income or from that you get from that invoice towards boosting it and we'll reward you for that up to 5% per annum for that, right? So it's kind of like borrowing some of these ideas that, you know, I think CPF, I mean, this might sound controversial, but I think CPF is a great system, right? I think I'm glad that as an employee, a portion of my income is quote unquote, you know, forced to be safe and employer tops out of that. Then when we look at the freelancer, again, trade-offs, right? They don't have this forced discipline because, you know, they're not being a self-contribution in that sense, right? So with Boost itself, we're trying to make it a bit more voluntary, but make it less friction. Let's make it easy for you to choose to save so that then you can save and you can build up your asset and you can build up your, your, your earnings over time, right? So again, to fulfill this mission of creating a shared future for all the freelancers, we think that the way about it is to look at each trade-off that a freelancer faces and let's see if we can apply a technology solution to that, to eliminating that trade-off, be it waiting for your cash flow, not being able to be in control of your finances, uh, not being able to have the ability to save conveniently, right? like just we have CPF and all that. But beyond that, a lot of other things to tackle as well, right? And I think if we can go through this list of tackling all these different needs, I think that when my kids come of age, when they're choosing, hey, Papa, I want to be a YouTuber, I'll be like, yes, go ahead. You know, like your Auntie Althea at Gush Cloud's got you covered for your, for your job opportunities. You know, I have got you covered for your financial access and all that. And maybe some other startup out there has got you covered for other areas. Maybe uh, Auntie Raven has got you covered for all your knowledge and how to start a business. I think that's what we're all trying to do, right? Trying to create this ecosystem to support freelancers such that when they choose to freelance, they don't feel like they're second-class citizens. They don't feel like they are, they are making a huge trade-off in life. I think that's at least what I hope for it to be in the future. It's like a win-win solution in that case. LightPay has only been launched since last year, right? If I'm not wrong. We started operating in 2018. Again, okay. our biggest um, segment mm. is the real estate agent. So no, most yeah. people won't hear about us. But more recently, mm. we started opening up to just general creative freelancers. Mm. Um, so we do have a simple app. You know, it's you know, lightpay.com, lightpay.co slash freelancers, right? Where essentially, it's a solution for you to invoice. You know, we become your finance department. We help you collect the money. But more importantly, we also give you this option to be financially disciplined, where, where you can choose to automatically boost a percentage of your income. Unlike CPF, we make it voluntary, where you can choose to. You can take it out anytime you want to as well. But essentially, that helps you to just make your money work while you sleep. Right? That's kind of what we're going about. I think in time to come, the next problem that we're trying to solve, or at least what I'm interested in solving, is this idea of rest, paid rest. Right? I think the biggest difference between an employee and a freelancer is that at least from a benefits perspective, it's not the medical card or the medical benefits in that sense. It's really this idea where I can go to my boss or my supervisor and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out next month for two weeks. I'm going to go on a holiday to Bali. It is my leave entitlement. It's my right to a request from the company for that break. Whereas a freelancer, you, you don't have that. Taking a break is taking a break from yourself. That comes a lot of feelings of guilt. Hey, I'm out here working. I should be making money to, you know, to, 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 to survive and all that, right? So from that perspective, I'm fascinated with this problem, if I can solve it, is that how do I give creators, freelancers, business owners this idea of a paid vacation, right? You can take a break knowing that you're, you're still making money and getting paid for it. Or maybe you can go on paternity and maternity leave and not feeling like you have, you're, you're trading off of yourself. So I think if I can solve for that trade-off you know, of rest, that this, this idea of removing that burden of you know, trying to make money so that you can take a break, I think that would be something quite meaningful, right? Because I do think a lot of freelancers out there could use some rest. 
not just the physical rest, but also the mental rest. Knowing that you can take a break and that you're still taken care of and that someone's going to look out for you. I think that's quite a fascinating problem to solve. I have two questions to ask following this, but I think the first question I want to bring back to the light pay system. Sure. It's very different from other invoicing system right out there because I haven't heard of any others in the market, at least for Singapore, about uh invoicing system that you you know you can earn from it, right? It's like and you can choose to opt in, opt out, how long how long period and because the and then of course your interest rate will be affected because the longer you keep your money there, then the more you earn. Do you find it difficult to convince people about this uh, new system? Because every every time you mm-hmm. have a new product and service, right? I guess challenge for entrepreneurs and even for freelancers is right. You know, to convince people to buy into your product, buy into your vision. So, how has the takeout rate like been? And you know, for you so far, it is challenging to convince people to take up a new product. I think when we look at what's out there, let's say look at the banks, right? Well, mm-hmm. banks may offer you a lower rate. It's a lot safer, right? And we're not a bank. We're not. We're not licensed as a bank, so we don't. We're not. We're not SDIC insured and all that. So there's this constant, like, all these questions like, oh, you know, how is like going to keep my money safe and all that. So that's definitely a challenge. But I think when we talk about what we're trying to deliver here, right, we're not delivering the best invoicing tool out there. You talk about invoicing tools, tons of them out there. You can use QuickBooks, you can use Zero, you can use a lot of like even free tools out there that have yeah. pretty good invoicing systems. What we're trying to offer is almost like. We're offering ourselves as almost like your finance, your treasury department. We know we're saying that we're offering ourselves as a service. It means like we know that as a freelancer, you're busy. Why don't you let us handle it for you? We're doing things that you would do otherwise that if you had time, you would do. But now we'll take it on, right? We'll chase after your client for you. We'll make sure that you get paid on time. And we'll make sure that we put your money to good use in that sense to earn a bonus and earn a report down the line. While the initial starting has been a bit of, oh, who are you or, and all that, I think the good thing is that there's been some good positive word of mouth, right? Oh, you know, freelancers started using us, they initially sent up one invoice, they experience it, they, oh, they use us again and again and again. So I'd say we're not in a rush to grow this to become you know, the largest whatever overnight. I think as long as we keep growing month over month, where we're delivering value to freelancers and they're, 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 they're giving us their feedback on how we can improve, I think we're on the right track, right? And to be very clear, we're still in the kind of like almost like a beta testing phase. With a new product, there's a lot of kinks that you need to iron out. There are a lot of assurances you need to give. So we're in this stage where we're constantly developing it. But I would say if you're a freelancer listening to this podcast, you know, please share with us your pain points. Please share with us your feedback when using our products. Our core focus of the business is to find out how we can serve you better. You know, because if we don't understand how we can serve you better, it's hard for us to create that shared future for mm. you. Whether or not you, you see that we have a product that fits you, your needs today, or you have some other needs, like maybe what I described about paid vacation, you know, paid paternity, maternity fascinates you, please come and talk to us. A lot of us are freelancers ourselves. In fact, our company, a lot of our freelancers are actually full-lancers. You know, we have a variance of long-term part-time employees with, you know, stock options. And we also have freelancers that have been freelancing for us for a very long time. So we are a company that lives and breathes the future of work. So we'd love to kind of talk to you and learn more about your needs so we can serve you better. The next part of my question is probably... I guess you addressed it in, in some point, right? Like your future plan and how do you want to play a role in the creator economy, right? So, so I guess mm. to give you a helpful framework on how we see it, earlier I mentioned that to help freelancers have a more assured future, we have to eliminate the trade-offs that they face that are painful mm. for them compared to even just an employee. And the framework for trade-offs are as follows. The most important bucket in terms of this, we call it six pillars, right? The first pillar is really income management. 
how do you make sure that you put your money to good work? How do you make sure you co- you collect on time? Make sure that you grow your income, grow your business, manage your income well. So that's kind of like our core bread and butter business. That's what a lot of our current light pay solutions focusing focus on. You know, invoice collection, boosting, even cash flow advances. Right, we make it easy for you to get your money early. I think that's a very important pillar because money solves most problems. Of course, if you're a billionaire, money's not your problem anymore. You need something else, but money solves most problems, right? The second pillar is this idea of teams and colleagues. A lot of times, we take for granted that work is actually social in nature. Very few of us, in, even in our gigs and in our skills, are actually just working facing a computer, right? It's not like everything's Amazon Mechanical Turk. When you do your design, you talk to your client. When you when you work on a video project, you're part of a crew. You're the grip, you're the gaffer, you're the sound engineer, whatever, right? You're part of a crew. Since we enjoy a lot of times when you talk to the employees, they, what they enjoy is the work social experience. They don't feel lonely. They have colleagues they can talk about, they can kind of share their lives with. What about that for freelancers, right? So this idea of teams, colleagues, people you can work alongside with yourself, to, uh, alongside yourself to kind of grow your incomes, and grow your careers. That's something that fascinates us. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar, which sounds a bit weird, is this idea of leadership boss, right? Having a, a kind of like a leadership pillar. Why I think it's a very important pillar for, and I find it as a trade-off, is that while a lot of us chose to be freelancing because of the independence or chose to do our own business because of the freedom, even as an entrepreneur, sometimes we need mentors. We need someone to coach us, tell us, hey, actually, you know, Vincent, don't do this, right? That's the wrong path to pursue. Try this instead. But in some sense, when we talk about good leadership, a lot of the employees talk about very positively about the companies they work with because of good leaders. It also extends to freelancers where the difference between maybe a real estate agent that can make 100k a year and a real estate agent that makes 300k a year is probably a leader, a mentor there that says, hey, actually, you know what? You're a promising young person. You can actually, you're capable of making 300k a year. Free your mind. You know, Don't think of 100k as a limit. Now go for the next big project. Sell the GCB. Don't worry about just selling HDB, right? Having that leader actually is a huge multiplier to your own income, your own livelihood. Freelancers, some of them really intuitively know this. I've spoken to some freelancers that have personal coaches. And just that mindset change, helping them to grow and break some of these limits can be the difference between a $500,000 a year income and a million dollar a year income. The fourth bucket in terms of these six pillars is this idea of reputation. As an employee, let's say I work at Google and Facebook, I proudly wear the Facebook t-shirt or maybe now Facebook not so cool. Maybe I say, okay, I work at you know, Google <laughs> or, or TikTok, right? Yeah, bike dance. They come with the reputation of the company. Whereas as freelancers, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, you come with the reputation of what you built, right? You're as good as who you are, your work, what your work speaks for it. How do we help with that, right? How do we enable freelancers to not have to keep pitching themselves as an individual again and again, right? Can we provide some form of reputation system where you're, as a collection of clients that you work with, you can bring this to your next client and go like, wow, you know, your CV is amazing, right? Let's work together. Uh, why that could be a problem is because today a lot of the platforms you see out there, your reputation system is not portable, right? You can't take your Fiverr reputation to go to freelancer.com to go yeah. to an Upwork. So it's kind of siloed. It's not really mm-hmm. your data. So I think thinking about how do we help freelancers in general manage their reputation is an important part of making money or having good careers. The fifth bucket, if we can solve for benefits for freelancers, or a lot of benefits providers out there, like say GigaCover, it's kind of like you pay your income, and then you get covered. We're trying to think of it the other way around where it's more like as you work, as you earn, somehow we are like your employer, we are like your company, we are actually taking care of these benefits without you having to think about paying for it. 
that's kind of what we're, we're trying to think about is how do I make, give you benefits almost like in a company, right? If you work for the company, you never have to pay for your benefits. You never have to pay for your leave. You never have to pay for your, your medical insurance in that sense. The company takes care of it for you. So how do we create a system that that is the feeling you get, right? That you're being taken care of. And the last market, which I guess is quite normal markets, this value of back office, this pillar. Today, as a salesperson working for a company, I go out there and close a big deal. I bring it back to my finance department. They will invoice the client for me. Whereas if I'm a creator, if I'm a creative designer, right, I have to create my own invoice. I have to send it out there. I have to get, get a collection all that. So a lot of platforms, a lot of tools are being built to serve freelancers in this regard. So it's quite a well-serviced space. Um, but other solutions that we can potentially look at is things like how do we be your AI concierge, right? How do we be your virtual pepper pots where, or your, your Jarvis, right? Where you can, all these things that you need to do to make money, all these things you need to do, how do I make it easy for you to use these other tools? How do I make it easy for you to be more productive, right? To take some of these best practices out there and supercharge your business. So many things we've talked about in these, these six billion pillars. This is enough for us to build many companies over the next 100 years, right? <laughs> um, so more closer to home, where we're starting off with is at least let's take care of your financial needs first. Let's help you to make money more efficiently. Let's help you make money while you sleep. But at the same time, I think when you talk about these six pillars, the ones that fascinate me are things to do with the benefits. Again, I would love it where my kid, let's say they're freelancer next time, they can say, hey, dad, I'm going for paternity leave. Wow, great. I would love to hear something like that. They can take a break, spend time with a newborn. But also the social aspects of it. The social aspects of freelancer work are very hard to find out there in a while in the form of products. Um, you don't really see it. There's no such thing as a social network for freelancers. If you're a freelancer trying to show your professional self, you're probably using LinkedIn and one of these professional platforms like Behance, Dribble, some of these very niche-focused platforms. Those platforms kind of give you a semblance of social layer, but you're not really working together. You're not really helping each other grow. You're not really kind of like using these platforms to kind of do your freelancing things together, right? That's a fascinating space because I find that if you can apply a social layer, if you can provide leadership to freelancers, I won't be surprised if that actually helps move the needle in your income more than some of these other things that I described. Because now you have a peer working alongside you, you feel more motivated. Now if your leader tell you, actually, you're pricing too low. You shouldn't be pricing at this much per hour. You should be pricing this much per hour, right? These simple things, while they sound simple, actually go to a long way in helping freelancers improve their income. We're quite fascinated as a company on the social dynamics aspect of work and how do we productize that? How do we provide you with a solution that feels natural, that allows you to do that? So after working on so many businesses over the years, what do you think are your biggest challenges and how do you overcome them? Oh, it sounds like an interview question, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, but I think it's very useful, right? Because every time we talk to like people who are successful or real people successful, we always talk about their success, right? But like, you know, we don't really hear about the failures enough, right? And that's the thing. So, so, so one of the things we also try to bring it to this podcast is right, we want to showcase like very authentic um stories as well sure i, I think that's a whole mm. other podcast episode right? <laughs> <laughs> we but need I to come invite you back but maybe yeah, very briefly like maybe briefly, just one yeah. challenge and how you overcome it yeah so i'll talk about maybe like uh, mm. maybe three challenges right i think the the, the money challenge that's something mm. that all of us have faced before you know yeah. with many instances where we're down to our last dollar okay maybe not last dollar last ten dollars right you know mm. i've been in that situation i've been in a situation where my, my wife literally gave me pocket money for two years 
you know, in the yeah. early days of, of the business and mm. a very humbling experience, right? Mm. Um, not being able to be able to provide for your family, not being able to provide for your wife and then knowing that they still have your back and supporting. Right? So again, I think money challenges probably tell us about it. We've all been through a lot of that and the pain for that. One thing I realized that over the last 10 years or 12 years is that Yes, money challenges are tough, but reputational challenges are even tougher. That one, money can't solve. So one example of that is that, you know, in 2015, gosh, we went through a huge PR crisis, right? National newspaper, blah, blah, blah. You know, people were looking at us as a toxic company, right? And, and people like, oh, you know, you guys are naughty entrepreneurs, right? I think going through that, I would never wish it on anyone. I realized that having reputational damage and making mistakes in a very public manner is something that's harder to recover from compared to being able to pay the bill. Pay the bill, I can say, hey, dear, please share me some <laughs> money so I can go and buy my Nipok or my Nikia, right? Whereas reputation, you look at your friend, look at your other mentor, they all look at you and go like, yeah, sorry, we can't help you. We can only just be there with you, right? So I think, again, trust and reputation is something that you want to take care of because once it's gone, it's not permanent, it's not forever, but it's certainly a very long time to get over it, right? It took us years to recover for something like that. Even today, it's one of those things that people sometimes do ask about. But yes, having that challenge is something I realize as entrepreneurs. Yeah, there are problems worse than money, right? Uh, and it's those things that deal with your reputation. More recently, um, one I'll talk a little bit more about is on the challenge being myself. I've come to realize that in, maybe this is true for freelancing, but also more so in business and business leadership is that all times the limiting factor to your organization is actually the leader. When we talk about me being the CEO and co-founder of this company, me and my co-founders, we are the limiting factor to the company's growth. And because that's the challenge, there are a lot of things that we need to change or grow and fix about ourselves. And it's not easy sometimes the older you get. Some of these biases, some of these mannerisms and all this are kind of built into us. And we have to reprogram ourselves to make sure that we don't bring some of these things to the organization. One of the things why I shared the earlier advice of learning is because that's something I need to keep doing. If not, I become the limiting factor to my company's growth. And some of this learning that I've done in the last two years is just learning how to be a better leader. I, I've had comments before from my colleagues in the early years of being entrepreneurs, like, hey, you know, Vincent, I know that you care, but you're not a very good leader. It's like, oh, you know, I stick to the heart kind of thing. Oh, no. right? <laughs> and, and, and then later on, it's like, hey, Vincent, you know, I appreciate that you're doing this job well, but I don't think you care enough. Then, oh, again, oh, never stick wow. to the heart. Right? So okay. along the years, I realized that, okay, I, I'm quite far away from what being a good leader and being an ideal leader ought to be. And the sooner I fix that about himself, I used to think that maybe I can just cruise along, let someone else take lead, you know, just mm. focus on innovation, focus on the product stuff, right? But unlike being a freelancer where you can have that luxury to kind of move back to your, to your craft, as a person leading other people and being responsible for their lives and their livelihood, you don't have that luxury. You better fix yourself. You better kind of grow yourself, right? And it's been kind of a bit challenged for me in the last few years to really constantly reflect and figure out how do I get better? You know, I made mistakes along the way, right? And, you know, people have walked out on me. People have kind of quit on me. And I realized that it's a leadership problem that I need to solve within myself. I would say it's still a work in progress. I think I have made steps to improve myself as a leader. But there's always things about ourselves that we need to constantly grow and to level up so that we never become the limiting factor for our organization. So that's something that I would say it's a perennial challenge. It's still the biggest challenge of my life today, but I think it's something that I need to constantly put in time and effort to get right. I think it's being a leader, like leading people, leading, leading leaders of our life. I think that's probably a, I guess a work in progress for a lot of us. And I think with that, right, Elisa, the last question, because it's a very nice uh, roundup. 
So this is a question that I do ask like a lot of our guests. In fact, our podcast, we do ask this of a lot of guests, right? What would you tell your younger self on hindsight? I would tell my 20, 2010, 2011 self is that mm. people are the most important asset and you should spend more time on learning how to manage and work with people well. Because in my, in my younger self, I always thought that as long as you're good at something, as long as you deliver value in your craft, in your business, you deliver the right report, you deliver the right product, people will follow along and then people kind of are secondary to that. But over the years, I realized that generally companies, even careers, it is a people business, whatever industry you're in, be it creative, tech or otherwise. And therefore, the sooner you get better at learning how to manage and lead people and also to work alongside people, and the sooner you learn how to appreciate them, to, to kind of like care for them, I think it helps you immensely in life because then people feel that you're more genuine, people want to work with you longer, people will help you out when you're going through a rough patch. So I think that's what I would tell my younger self because the younger self was very task-oriented. Client wants A, we give A and B. Wow, we win the job. Good, right? You know, who cares if we have to work overnight for that? Let's just go for it, right? Now in, now in hindsight, I would probably tell them, hey, you know what? If your team member is going through a tough time, that project can probably wait. Why don't you spend time with your team member and just find out how the person is and how can you be there for that person? Yeah, it's been a humbling experience to learn this um, from my colleagues and from my friends over the last uh, 10 years. But something I come to appreciate and realize that all businesses are people businesses through and through. We need to embrace that. Thank you so much, uh, Vincent, for sharing so much of your time, your experiences, your insights and expertise about running a business. I think that's really useful and helpful, hopefully inspiring to our younger listeners while listening to this as well. So, Vincent, where can we find you and your company on socials? How do, let's say, a freelancer sign up for LightPay? Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, so where can you find LightPay? Um, well, I think if you want to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn always. Just find Vince Ha or Vincent Ha. You should be able to find me and connect to me on LinkedIn. But if you're a freelancer, you're looking to kind of connect with us, looking to try out our solutions, we'd love to have you. So you can check us out on lightpay.co. So L-Y-T-E-P-A-Y dot co slash freelancers, spelled the usual way. Or if you can follow us on Instagram, it's basically instagram.com slash lightpay period freelancer. So it's a full stop in between light pain freelancer we'd love to have you and we'd love to hear from you and again trust any challenge that you might be facing let's see if we have a solution for you but thank you so much for your time raven i really appreciate the insightful questions and the opportunity to relive my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah we definitely need to invite you back in for next round to share more about your experiences but with that if you like freelance creative exchange please let us know by doing all the things that podcasts ask you to do Follow our show, rate, review, and check out our social media. Tell your friends about the show. Share your views and if you have any questions with us. And that's all for now and we'll be back next week. Thank you and bye everyone. See you next time.